Welcome to Beyond the Shire. My name is Jack Wolf. For today's adventure, I want to begin to discuss life between the two Edens and how understanding them will help us understand our calling as a Christian. Understanding what is taking place between the two Edens will very much not just make an impact on the world we live in, but it will give us insights into our roles and functions. And maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, what is he talking about this between the two Edens? We'll get to that in a little bit. I have to take some responsibility for the condition of the world that we live in. Everybody agrees it's a mess. If I go back 20 years ago, it was a mess then. You know, it's a bigger mess now, and 20 years from now, it'll be a bigger mess. And we know this is going to be the case because the Bible tells us that things are going to continue to get worse and tougher and more difficult. And this is not Eden. We'll talk about Edens in a little bit. But I want to take some responsibility because I've recognized in my walk with the Lord what my calling really is, what I used to think it was, and how I viewed church. Let me give you a little backstory. I've been a Christian since 1974, and I've struggled with my faith early on. I did. And I don't want to blame anybody, but here's some of the reasons why I struggled with what I understood my faith was. I remember meeting my family of my wife, and most of them were Christians. I was a 17-year-old hippie of sorts, and I did what hippies did in those days. By the way, we're talking about the 70s now. My girlfriend and wife now became pregnant at 15, and we were going to be getting married in March of that year. And yes, we're still married. And most of our family being Christians, and my wife being a Christian at the age of 13, and had kind of uh, slid away from that a little bit. Uh, but she was a, a believer and met me, and I wasn't the best influence in her life. But uh, one thing the family knew is I was not a Christian. And uh, boy, I got to tell you, um, they wanted to make sure that I was a Christian. I'd only been to church a couple of times in my life. And, and again, my wife's family were on the move to get me to accept the Lord because they didn't want their sister to marry an unbeliever. That is someone who has not accepted the Lord. One of the sisters took a run at me and she failed. And then another sister took her turn. And I remember that evening in their apartment talking to me about giving my heart to Christ, becoming a Christian. The appeal, as I remember it, was basically this. If I did not accept the Lord and I drove home that night and got killed, I would go to hell. Well, I, wasn't, I did believe, have a belief that there was a God, and um, the idea of going to hell did not sound all that appealing. And as I would tell people, how I came to faith is my sister-in-law scared the hell out of me. Uh, but it really did get on me and concern me. So I did, out of really a lot of fear, pray the prayer that they asked me to pray. I meant it as much as I knew. I was sincere as I knew how to be. And what I knew for certain was that I didn't want to go to hell. And I wanted to be saved from that for sure. Is this the message of the Bible? What is the message of the Bible, really? Well, I suppose you can say it's a lot of things. Is it to say a prayer so we don't go to hell? Is that the message? Uh, make sure you understand all things that you can or cannot do. Is that the message of the Bible? Make sure what you can't do, can do. Is the message of the Bible to find a good church that believe like you believe and, 
and have the same kind of likings and and uh, consistencies that you do enjoy? Is that the message? Is it to get with a group of friends so you can talk about what you're learning and increase your knowledge of the Bible? Now, granted, all these things are, are they're okay. Have I mentioned this before? How about this? Did Jesus die for our sins uh, so that when we did sin, we could feel better about ourselves and feel forgiven? Whew, man, now I can, you know, I can sleep tonight knowing that I'm forgiven. Is that the message of the Bible, that Jesus died for our sins, our wrongdoings, so that we could be forgiven? In fact, Christians are almost mocked for this. It's like we get out of jail free card and live the life we want to live, and all we got to do is ask for forgiveness. Is this the message of the Bible? Well, these messages that I've mentioned, and maybe there's a little cynicism in my voice, but you know what? The, the uh, writers of the Bible had some pretty tough things to say about the church of that day, and I'm not trying to be too tough, but let's be honest. These things are portrayed. Would all of these things make someone want to come to church? Well, I suppose on some level it, it could. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time, and, you know, to be honest, churches have always been, while they don't want to admit it, competitive, even sometimes divisive. You know, we have world-renowned speakers, and thank God for them. We've got praise and worship folks that are so professional and so amazing, they can fill stadiums with people to hear and worship the Lord, and that is phenomenal. It's great. I've not been to any of those really big events. And I know they're amazing, and I know they make an impact in people's lives. But is this the message of the Bible, to get people together to worship Him? Well, that's part of it. And, uh, you know, what about um, how denominations are defined by what they believe or do not believe on particular points in the Bible? Can you drink? What about being baptized in the Holy Spirit? What about is, if I am baptized in the Holy Spirit, do I speak in tongues? What if I don't speak in tongues? What if I ask for the Holy Spirit and I don't get that? How do I understand it? What is the proper way to baptize someone? Do I sprinkle them? Do I dunk them? Do I completely immerse them? Do I say over them in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? I can tell you that people argue about such things. Are these the messages of the Bible that we need to sort out? What is their message? What is it that we want people to walk away with and understand about this Bible and about God himself? Have you ever heard the term church shopping? What does that mean? What are we shopping for? A better speaker? Better praise and worship? Better programs? Services that end promptly? The very term is actually pretty troubling to me, church shopping. What are we looking for? Something that kind of suits us well, that meets our needs? How is it that we can focus in on all of those things, and do they really matter with all that much? I'm going to say that we've lost our way in many of those topics. They become the bigger points of discussion. We can pick and choose things out of the Bible, if you will, chapters and verses to pick our particular point of view on a particular type of topic, and all of a sudden we've got you know, what we say, this is the message of the Bible. You know, on the, on the food thing, just so you know, the, Paul told in Romans 14, let the Lord be the Lord and tell people what to eat and drink. You know, and he's just saying, let the Lord tell people what to eat and drink, and let's not get into it. Paul understood that the message of the Bible is bigger than those kinds of things. So let's start talking just a little bit about the two Edens.
In Genesis chapter 1, we have the story of God creating the world that you and I live in. If you read that chapter, oh, it's, it's an amazing chapter. Him calling things to life, creating the planet, the sun, just the earth and the vegetation and the animals. Just an amazing story. And it kind of continues on. There's really no chapter breaks in the Bible. And when we get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, here's what we read. After he created everything, after he created Adam and Eve, it says this, Now the Lord God had planted in the garden a a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he formed. So he created all these wonderful things, and then he had this beautiful garden in the east, and he plants this garden in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. Then he goes on to describe the garden and the food and the rivers and the waters, and there was gold and there was onyx. I mean, if you read just a few of those verses, you know, you think, wow, what must have that been like? I've, my wife and I have traveled, thankfully, around the world. We've been in beautiful places in Portugal and Playa del Carmen, and you get to these places that you've never seen before and think, oh, man, if we could just stay here, this would be great, wouldn't it? It sounds amazing that the gardens that our Father, our Creator made for us, all of that would come after he thought of Adam and Eve. He brings Adam and Eve in, and he creates this amazing garden, and he's got it all put together. And I know you've probably heard this, that once Adam and Eve were in this garden, in this beautiful place of Eden, in this amazing place that we really, frankly, probably don't even understand, obviously, what it was really like. We think maybe it was kind of what it looks like now. Who knows? It could have been a million times better. It probably was. But I think you know what happened. After God the Father put Adam and Eve in this garden in Eden in this wonderful creation that he made, I know you know what happened. The enemy came and tricked mankind, and he fell because of a decision that he made to listen to the devil rather than take God their Father, who they knew intimately, because the Bible tells us that he walked with them in the cool of the day. God the Creator, our Father, in relationship with Adam and Eve, intimately, His creation, the Creator, one talking, sharing, living, and again, God puts them in this amazing garden. And of course, in the prior chapter, He tells them that He wants them to be fruitful and multiply and do beautiful things in this garden. So this this thing is not just going to stay as it is. It's going to develop. But then, and I'm repeating myself, the enemy tricked them, and mankind fell. And ever since that day, the world has been a mess. Later on in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, listen to what God says. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had taken. Can you imagine after being there and then being kind of kicked out? The Bible says in Genesis 3, 24, after he drove man out, He placed outside of the garden a cherubim, an angel with a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. For what God did not want to happen was for man to eat from the tree of life and stay in the state of sin forever and ever and ever. He banished him from that. That's one Eden. Now, let's jump ahead to the very last chapter of the Bible. 
And let me just read a few verses because Eden is mentioned here in the very last chapter. In the very first chapters of the Bible, we have Eden. And in the very last, we have Eden again. The heading in my Bible says, Eden restored. Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life as clear as a crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of a great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood a tree of life bearing 12 crops and yielding its fruit each month. Are you getting a picture of this? Verse 3 says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and the servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night. They'll not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. The God, the Lord God, will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. This is the second Eden that I'm talking about. It's the Eden restored. It's what God had intended from the very beginning. And we know that in, the, in this very chapter, Jesus is saying, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they've done. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. Blessed are those whose robes have been washed. Talking about really giving your heart to him and yielding to him. But then it says outside there are dogs and those that practice magic arts and sexual morality and all these things that, that we know are really not a part of God's plan. So the two Edens, the first Eden that God mentions that Adam was in and then got banished and then the Eden restored where Jesus comes and now we're getting into eternity. This is a picture of the future. Eden restored and here we are where God originally designed it. So why is understanding these two Edens important as far as how we live our lives today? Because if you don't understand how these two stories give us an understanding of all the rest of the stories in the Bible and how they tie in from the beginning and more importantly the end, then we may misunderstand what the purpose of the church is even for and why we're actually here, and what our mission is really actually about. Listen carefully to me. This is not Eden. America is not Eden. The coast of California is not Eden. Plato Carmen is not Eden. Wherever you go on this earth, this is not Eden. Now, you know what? I kind of like my little Eden. I don't want my life to change, really. I love our home. I love all the amenities of our nation. It wouldn't have a ton of money, but it would be nice to have more to travel. But this is not Eden. This is not why I'm here to have my own little Eden to kind of, you know, the stories in the Bible are not here to help us just cope with life, get the best out of it, live the best life we can, and then go to heaven when the Lord returns. No, no, no. No, these stories are about the Lord. Between the two Edens are stories about the Lord and how he wants to use mankind to help him redeem all who are fallen. Because all who deny his existence, all who deny his ways, those people will be separated and banished from the Lord's presence forever and ever and ever. Evil exists on this earth and it's only going to get worse each and every year. Jesus said, look, I'm coming soon. And to those who know him and yield to his lordship and will see him face to face, they'll have access to the tree of life, the tree of life that Adam and Eve were banished from. Now they can go back and eat from this tree and live as God designed them to live. But folks who do not want to go along, do not believe in who God is and to have no interest in his life and his love, those folks that have already been sucked into an alternative 
alternative message of lies and deception from the creator itself. All the things that we see in the world that we read on the news, these are abominations. These are aberrations of what God actually designed. He does not want people to be murderers and sexually immoral. And these people will not, not because of their actions necessarily, but because of their denying who God is and giving their life to him and say, I want you to rule and reign my life. These stories between the two Edens help us understand our mission, our calling, and the urgency of the hour that we live in, no matter when we were born. The Lord, after he rose again, appears to disciples. They're behind locked doors because of the fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus stood among them, and here's what he said to them. Peace be with you. He showed them his hand and his side, and he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God. And then he says this, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. In the same way I was sent, with the same mission I was sent for, I'm sending you guys and gals. In other words, the very same reason the Father sent the Lord is the very same reason he's sending you and I. Friends, our mission if we are going to find a good church is to remember what the church is about to help the Lord redeem the fallen, to see the captive set free. Listen to what Jesus said. Here's why I'm here. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. He wishes that none would perish. Listen, I don't want to be uh, too cynical here, but our goal is not just to find a good church to settle into and enjoy our worship. We are soldiers of the Lord. We are an army of God. We are called together. He said the same way the Father sent me, I'm sending you guys. When you read the stories between the two Edens, they will give you wisdom and insight on how to navigate life, how to understand, how to respond, when to speak, when not to speak how to address, how to bring down the powers of darkness, how to be trained and equipped in the world that we live in, not just to make it our Eden, but to see every man, woman, boy, child come to know Jesus Christ, come to know the Father, to rescue them so that they may see the new Eden that I read about. I've gone a little long today. I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to pick up and begin to dig into the stories of between the two Edens to help us understand and discern how to live in the times that we are in, how to be empowered by God, how to do spiritual warfare and battle, and how to make an impact. And granted, it's going to be different for all of us, but make no mistake about it. As the Father said, as Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Aren't you glad that we can be a part of seeing people rescued? from the enemy's hold and set free by the power of Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thanks for stopping in. We'll see you next time.